This is Sounds Like Relict, a collaboration between Sounds Like Adventure and Houndsong Games to celebrate the launch of the Kickstarter for Relict. Hey there. Thanks for joining us. It's episode one of Sounds Like Relict. Welcome. Now, if you're just joining us, go back, check your podcast app, because there's an episode that came out before this one. And in that episode, Chris joins Chai, Jacob and I, and he breaks down everything you need to know about this campaign. In that episode, we also go through characters and stuff like that. But if you just want the key details, it's all in the first sort of five to 10 minutes of the episode. Now, if you did skip the back half of that episode where we introed our characters, let me just break it down for you quickly. So Jacob is playing Leopold Brim. He's a dwarf. Um, and he is basically a mad scientist, constantly in the pursuit of knowledge and will do anything to get it, no matter how gruesome. And his classes that he's playing, his major class is a plague doctor, his minor class is a dynamancer, and his influence class is a shadow mage. So Chai is playing Youngman George, he's a changeling, and he's an acolyte of the god of balance, aka Carmelian. Uh, his major class is priest, his minor class is avatar, and his influence class is knight. And for me, I'm playing a character named Zane, who's basically Leo's assistant, uh, and he's from Tumblefray, the setting of this game. And my major class is Scoundrel, my minor class is Warrior, and my influence class is Assassin. But one thing I did want to mention before we get into it, so as you've probably noticed, the runtimes of these episodes are going to be a bit longer than our standard Sounds Like Adventure episodes. They're also going to be a little less finely edited, and it's going to be more of your traditional actual play experience, because... We want to show you what it's like to learn this system because we're learning the system at the same time you are. And if you go and back this campaign, then you should know how it actually plays. And let me tell you, it plays bloody fun. But hey, with all that in mind, let's get into episode one of Sounds Like Relict, aka Ten Silver's Bent. So the first things first, gentlemen, um, I need everyone to go ahead and roll a d6 for me. Oh, lovely. What could go wrong? Uh, that will be a two for Leo. Uh, roll a six. Uh, for other one. <laughs> Yay! All right, yeah, that roll probably won't come up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've loved this already. <laughs> The deck rolls gently underfoot as the double-back keen begins to turn. We're past the shackle, announces Biff, the only prisoner who's got a bunk near the lone porthole in the hold of this prison barge. Murmur of beleaguered relief sweeps through your fellow prisoners. It's been two months since the double-back keen left Tumblefray on a penal voyage. Two months of dangerous, back-breaking work. Manned winches and tackle dredged and dove to salvage the wrecks that dot the rending sea's coast up and down. All done under the savage and brutal eye of the rending sentinels, weathered storm and sun alike, you left port with 23 prisoners two months ago, returning with 16. 
What's George doing right now? George is stacking like um like the the large ropes. He's just like coiling them up on deck. It's pretty like uh, it doesn't sound like hard work, but it's actually really hard work because like all these ropes, they're wet, they're full of salt, they're thick, uh, like thick as an arm. It's hard work, so he's he's sweating away, and he's uh, in the form of a very muscular big man at this moment. As George finishes piling up the last of this several uh, bundles or coils of rope, kind of getting the deck in order as you're heading into port, you see the uh, the shackle gate. It's this great series of fortified rocks and islands that protects Tumblefray Harbor. Uh, the Shackle Gate is so-called because it is actually a chain fortress. There are, between all these islands, nets of heavy ship-breaking chain that can be winched up and down to kind of create a barrier into the harbor. We're passing through the shackle that is open through the center of this fortified mass of crenellations and cannons all pointed inward to just annihilate any vessel that is not welcome. You... Look up, you see Sergeant uh, Riley Bucksweeper coming to you. Riley Bucksweeper is an unpleasant gentleman. He comes up to you and says, All right, that's enough. Time to get below. Get ready for, for coming into port. We're going to deep, uh, deep plank and uh, just, 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 just get below. Get down. Get down with the other prisoners. Uh, he orders you down into the hold. Uh, I know. I've, I've seen this fella. Uh, I've studied this fella. And he's, he's an ass. But... George knows that if he doesn't follow the orders straight away, there's going to be some repercussions. So he, he he drops the ropes where they are and then moves, moves down under under deck. Go ahead and make a um, first roll of the, of the game here. Go ahead and make a might check for me, George. We're going to see kind of how we've impressed this uh, lovely fellow throughout our, our voyage here. It's going to be 1d12. Plus might. Only 12 plus 4. George is a strong guy, strong boy. So that is a, oh. that's a 12. That's a 16. Immediate crit. Okay. So when you get a crit in Relict, uh, you have, so George has rolled a natural 12. A 12 out of 12 is a crit. Uh, you have generally three options. And I'll run through them real quick. One of them is not really going to apply here. Uh, First option, simplest option, you can explode the dice. If you're trying to do something very hard, you keep the 12 and roll it again and add the extra roll to potentially do something well beyond your normal needs. Great. Second option, this is the one that doesn't really apply in this situation, but I want to detail it here because it's going to be fun later when it happens. Uh, We have things called critical effects in the system. Uh, The most common of these is something like a weapon. So your sword might have a critical effect where it can inflict bleeding damage on somebody as a, in addition to its damage. So you have the option to invoke a critical effect if you have something like that. Certain classes also have them in different conditions. Uh, so if you have them, they'll come up. Uh, the third option is what I would advise George to do right now, but you do you. But third option is going to be to take what is called a fate point, which is perfect for a situation like this where you've critted on a check that probably isn't that consequential. Uh, you can take a fate point and spend that later on different buffs or effects uh, when it's more convenient. It's a way to bank a little bit of good luck for later. Fate points, fate points are almost always 
for one fate point, mind you, almost always not as powerful as like a critical effect in the moment. But that's the price of being able to save that little bit of good luck later. And if you save up enough of them throughout an adventure, uh, you can do some pretty powerful stuff by spending like four or five at once. Having said that, fate points do go away at the end of a quest arc when you take what's called a full rest. So use them or lose them. What's George want to do with this lovely 16 that you've rolled right out of the gate? So I had I had a really cool idea, but now that the fate points is on the fate point is on <laughs> on board. You've still very well succeeded at this. Let me be clear. The the roll still happened. It's just do you wanna roll again or do you wanna fate point it? Okay, I'll I think I think for whatever I can do with the rope, 16 is probably more than enough. <laughs> so um, I'll fate point it, and I can take a note that says, like, because I'm a good rope guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what that might check tells us is a might is all about physicality and the athleticism of your character. You've been on this voyage for two months, right? Uh Sergeant Bucksweeper is a guy who very much likes inflicting pain and torment on people that he can technically get away with doing it to. With a 16 might, he has clocked over the course of this voyage that George is not someone he's going to target. Like, this is, uh, well, I'm going to go on, get down, get down below. And he's kind of making the calculus of, like, I'm not going to try and physically encourage George to do more than just... He's he's listening. That's good enough. Wise choice. <laughs> so George heads on down. A bell chimes, signaling that the prisoners in the hold as George enters should assemble. You all hitch up the weights that you're all strapped to. Around your waist for this entire voyage has been chained a lead weight with an eye hole through it. A little incentive to make sure no one gets any ideas, and they can easily be pushed overboard if prisoners get out of line. Prisoners groan and grumble more than usual, and you notice that many of them are sluggish in their movements. The illness has been passing through the ship for the past few days. Most of you have blamed the food or the water, spoiling. Avoiding those has left some people hungry and thirsty and not much better off than the sick. As the dock nears closer, you hear the cry of gulls. Above, you hear the dock workers through the hull muttering. Suddenly a large crash echoes through the ship and you all lurch as the ship collides with something. I need everyone to go ahead and make either a fortitude or a precision check. And I'm going to tell you the target for this one is an eight on either of those. So your choice. Alright. Do tell me which one you use though because you know. Uh, I'm going to use precision and that's going to be a nine. Okay so Leo Decision nine. That's my fortitude. That's a net one. Um, four. Okay. Roger that. Roger that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wanted to be a balanced character. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. Zane out the gate with a uh, another crit. Yeah, and I was rolling precision there, so plus three. So I rolled a 12, plus three, 15. Our two precise characters manage to kind of leap up, grab onto the bunks, hold on, as everyone around them kind of goes tumbling and falls forward. George, coming down the stairs. Stairs go out from under you. George face plants. <laughs> as that happens, as everyone kind of goes flying around you, Jacob, why don't you go ahead and tell us what your character is doing? Um, I think Leo has probably spent the last couple of nights on this voyage uh, 
trying to figure out what the sickness is that a- that's ailing everyone. So he's probably got a little bit of a concoction set up going um, that he's been doing on the side. It's probably like like a, a hollowed out box or something that he puts over it whenever the uh, the sergeant comes down to to check it, like to check on people doing their jobs. Um, but I, I would say he's slacking off and probably he's probably made a couple of deals with some of the um, the other workers to to do part of his work so that he can focus on that like like I can make everyone better but you you need to you need to take over some of my duties so as the ship lurches uh Leo catches himself I'm gonna say you look over and you see one of the other prisoners you've gotten to know throughout this voyage his name is Noodles uh it's not his given name he's named Noodles and I think Leo probably connected with Noodles pretty well because Noodles when he was younger had a alchemical accident. Uh, Noodles doesn't have any bones in his arms. So that's a fun thing. Noodles is one of the guys you've kind of worked out a concealment deal with, and uh, he's been trying to help you out. Noodles tried to catch your concoction that was hidden as the whole ship lurched on reflex, not really remembering that he doesn't have any bones in his arms. Uh, So I think Noodles is probably covered in some slop of whatever you were putting together. Oh, that's... That would not be good. Yeah. (laughs) What do we think's happening to Noodles right now as he's, like, kind of... I think I think it, I think it, there would be like stages. Like the first bottle hits noodles, and he, it's like an acidic, like caustic burn. Like he starts to like sizzle, and then and, and then another bottle hits, and it immediately cools it and calms it, and and like goes back to normal. Um, and then just like like it's just like a a rainbow of effect after effect after effect. <laughs> no, it's really cold. Oh, it stings. Oh, Oh, it's blistering. Oh, it's blistering. That feels nice. (laughs) Am I going to be okay? Uh, uh, Leo probably looks at him and and, and, uh, glances around the room a bit uh, skittishly, and he's like, "Um, sure, why not? (laughs) Very... Well, I trust you implicitly, so I'm going to take you at your word on that. Mm, it'll probably be fine. It'll probably be fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I mean, we've had... Uh, it's, it'll be fine. Definitely. And it, it, Leo probably, like, turns over his shoulder to one of the other ones and, like... He's 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 dead. I mean, it's already noodle arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I imagine one of those effects, he suddenly gets bones in his arms and he's like, ah! And then another one hits him and they go flint limp again. <laughs> I've got bones! I've got too many bones! I've got bones! Yeah, um, I would like to say that as my avatar, one feature, I could, like, once per rest, remove an affliction from a creature. You could. Kind of feel bad. <laughs> nah, no, noodles has noodle noodles has done some has done some shit in his life. Yeah, like he doesn't like the balance is not in his favor to get his arms re- restored. Like, <laughs> Remind me, is that once per? Let me see here. Once per rest? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it kind of fixed like the the creature. A creature can only be like helped once a month, but I can do it once okay. a rest. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what I was trying to remember. Perfect. Return one bone at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once a month. Yeah, it's like I, I could like <laughs> save his arms, or like save him from from that <laughs> from that concoction. Would George like, like to do something the, for noodles? No, I'm face planted. 
Like, I'm down on the ground. I, I don't even see that happen yet. All right, all right. <laughs> um, as that is unfolding, and as uh, as Leo, you kind of turn around like, Ugh. uh We're going to say, George, you're probably getting up at this point. Uh, a few moments later, Sergeant Bucksweeper comes down behind George. Uh, the door down, the uh, bar door is closed now into the hold. Um, he commands everyone to quiet down. Minor collision with the dock. Don't worry about it. It's none of your business. A chain is passed through the door. All the prisoners, you know what the routine is at this point. Whenever you're being moved in mass, uh, they pass this chain down the hole, and you're all expected to thread it through the weight tied around your waist, the little eye hole there, and then it's locked at the end by another guard. Uh, so you're all effectively chained together in one big line. After this procedure is complete, the prisoners are marched up through the decks. Evening light starting to settle down as we see the grand city of Tumblefray. Stretching out above the de- docks beyond, uh, the neighborhood's kind of sprawling terraced up the sides of the snow-capped Mount Rook. Interspersed among the brick and plaster of the city are tremendous ruins, the size of which is almost incomprehensible. The city is famed for these. No one has ever really figured out where they came from. Some primordial civilization of colossal people, supposedly. But your guess is as good as anyone else's. Doesn't matter right now, though, because Sergeant Bucksweeper orders you all down the gangplank. Look to the ship and see that the double back is, is messy. It's been badly tangled with the docks coming in. It looks like the helmsman was not paying attention, or it didn't stop in time, and just crunched up, partially even onto the shore uh, beyond the docks. Uh, Gulls are screaming and circling, ever-present in this portside city, but swarming to the mass of flotsam and jetsam that is being ejected from this wreck, uh, diving in to pick up scraps and netting and wood and whatever else they can get their hands on, their beaks on, I suppose. Handful of sentinels are arguing on one side of the dock with a group of dock workers. Those of you who have been on a penal voyage before know what comes next. You will be marched to the guardhouse in the nearby gate district and final processing and discharge. Buck sweeper. All right, line them up. Everyone quiet. I got to run through the speech. He runs through the usual prison discharge speech in a very bored monotone. Any possessions on your person at the time of your incarceration shall be returned, excepting those obtained through illegitimate means. A record of your imprisonment shall be held in the municipal archives in Rington. Citizens in good standing may request such records for a fee of not more than 10 coppers per subject, unless an exception is so ordered by the magistrate. As Sergeant Bucksweeper is droning through this legally mandated departure speech that he has to give every single time. Jack, what is your character doing as you stand in this line? So I think Zane is probably like the most comfortable out of this group uh, with being in prison, um, used to being in these environments. So I think he has like his top prison jumpsuit. It's like rolled down over the, the to his waist essentially and his like chest is bare um, and he's just like this... They, Zane is like thick with three C's basically <laughs> like this is he's a he's a thick boy um he's obviously strong but he's not like muscular he's just like got a lot of heft he's farm strong um and um yeah he's like you know glistening from the sweaty work that he was just doing um and he's probably not taking whatever's going on all that seriously at this point in time he's just sort of like it's all old hat to him 
As Bucksweeper completes this legally required speech, he orders you all to prepare for a short march. You are heading from, uh, you have docked uh, in what is called Bollock's Docks, uh, just past the Shackle Gate. Bollock's Docks, uh, some of you are locals, you would know the story here. This was once a shipyard, or it was supposed to be, until a typhoon came in and knocked all the half-finished ships up onto the shore and into the buildings, which were not up to code. No one really wanted to pay to fix any of that, so what remains is a number of buildings with ships sticking out of them uh, that have kind of been adapted into mostly functional structures uh, that have all sorts of fun businesses that in a little community that has developed down here. The official name for Bollock Stocks, of course, is Pier 9. Nobody calls it that. You are being marched as we speak up to the Gate District. There's a guardhouse just inside the gate there main entrance from this part of the docks into the city proper to be processed and discharged at this point. Your items and possessions will be returned to you. Um, is anyone doing anything as we kind of begin this short march here? It's literally like five minutes up the hill. I think Leo's already like in his head making a plan of like, I need to see this person about this. I need to see this person to, to restock on, on my agents and stuff. Like he's, he's immediately like, I had it. What do I need to do to get back to scratch with my stuff? Yeah, I would say uh, George has noticed Noodle's predicament <laughs> at this point. I would say like Noodle's is probably like chained in front of him. And he's good. Noodles is going through all these like weird, like reactions. Noodles uh, at this moment, uh, a mist of like magenta colored fog is kind of wafting up from under his shirt, and uh, <laughs> he's doing his best to convince himself that that's not a problem. Yeah, no. Le- right. Leo, Leo would be reassuring him half-heartedly whenever he asks Leo what's going on. Leo would be like, "Oh, it's it's, it's normal." It, it, it. It'll pass away in a little bit. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, so, um, George would like to activate his Credo of Balance um, to see if if it would help the balance to help uh, noodles out. And um, so he chants like under his breath, so no one like can actually like uh, notice it. It. I'm a man without conviction. I'm a man who doesn't know how to sell a contradiction. I'm a just soul whose intentions are good. Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. And then the shine comes out of noodles. As you invoke this, obviously, uh, very heartfelt uh, cry to the god of balance, Carmelian. <laughs> um, we're not going to get copyright struck, right? It's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're off to the races. As you invoke this creed um, and reach out to your god, you see Noodles' aura is in fact quite far into the crimson spectrum. Noodles has lived a rough life. I will say, if you had done this at any point during the journey, um, well, you tell me, have you done this kind of to other people throughout the ship as you've gone, or have you kind of played this close to the chest? Like, the way the way um, George would have thought about it is, like, the whole journey of the penance, like that, like, being on the ship, that will shift the, like, the balance 
because like there's obviously some bad done to them for something bad they did. So like it kind of balances things out. So he wouldn't have done it other than maybe to um, his two compatriots to see like ah oh, where where were they standing? What what was their initial balance? Maybe. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, as you're invoking this and watching, you are seeing noodles was actually kind of surprisingly not not golden, but like less red than others you've seen. As you're marching, you are seeing his aura actively shift into the red. Like this is getting worse for him. <laughs> All right. Um uh how does that divine thing work where um, can, I like, believe it is just a touch. Uh, right, so I just touch him. Yeah. Sure. Ah yeah, you may heal a creature you can touch of one affliction. Okay. So I'll I wanna watch him to see if at some point he is uh like <laughs> that random effect will be something kind of beneficial to him. And I don't want to s- stop him like at that point. The moment you recognize as like the most useful uh, at one point noodles is, you know, his arms are kind of slack at his sides. He's still got muscle. It's weird. Like he's a muscled guy. Like he's lived a rough life. There's just really not a lot to connect him to. So he's like, you can, get a good slap going when he wants to. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's a moment as things are shifting and changing, and he's like, it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine, Leo, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, there's a moment where kind of his arm shoots out, and you see, like, bones bind within it and connect. Uh, it's just on the one side, and it's maybe a little longer than it should be. Um, but that's probably the best thing that's happened to him so far. All right, I'll... I'll, I'll touch him and remove that affliction that changes from him, hopefully leaving him with an arm. (laughs) Uh, You see a kind of particulate mist of just like multicolors, like uh, pearlescent, like oil soap bubbles, just sort of like dissipate off of where that half-finished concoction had spilled onto him. And he goes, Huh? Huh? Hey! I've got a hand. Well, I have two hands, but I've got a, I've got a full one. <laughs> this is great. You, you, you would see Leo's probably doing like mental arithmetic galore. Like, uh, how, how did that work? What, what caused that? Rah, rah, rah. And making like <laughs> so many mental notes on like, how could I, oh, oh, that could be used for this. And, go ahead <laughs> and well, uh, uh, Leo, go ahead and make a knowledge check. Okay, sweet. Um, I think ultimately he'd be like, what would happen if I did that to someone who already had bones? <laughs> <laughs> too many bones. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, take your fate point. <laughs> yeah, that was a twelve, dear listeners. Um, uh, yeah, this, that is a that is a crit. There's a twelve plus two. Fourteen. All right, fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take a fate point for that. We've had, what, like five or six rolls and half of them have been crystal. Like, statistically, I want to be clear here. 
there are percentages that can apply to dice that are random, and this is ridiculous. Okay, yeah, take your no, point. No, we're going to get cooked later. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, fine. it's fine. I've got so much pain to throw at you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Leo gleans some really interesting chemical properties from this little interaction. It's not the experiment you wanted to run, but it's certainly something you can make some notes on and maybe play into some concoctions later. This is a, this is a pursuit for later, for sure. Looking up uh, noodles later and kind of seeing how this all has progressed and what you can learn might be quite valuable. You guys are marched up through the gate to the guardhouse. Um, have any of you ever been arrested in Tumblefray before? I think Zane definitely has. Yeah, so same as Leo. Leo definitely has as well. For sure. But I think for Zane, like, many years ago. I'm not sure about George. I think George is probably not as frequent a flyer here. I think Leo's Leo's would be more, like, infractions. Like, they'd be, like, a slap on the wrist sort of thing. And I think this would probably be one of of his first, like, big offences where he's he's had to have some actual repercussion. So, George and Leo, uh, you guys are brought through, you're given just kind of a general like Buck Sweeper level speech of like, all right, your items are being returned the condition they were found. We're not responsible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, go ahead and roll each of you a D10 for me. Will do. That'll be a six for Leo. Six for Leo. D10. Oh, that's another. Uh, Chai is on Ten. fire today. <laughs> um, well, fantastic news. It'll only go downwards from here. <laughs> yeah, fantastic news. Uh, Leo, you've got six copper in your possessions. The rest of your items are all returned. Uh, whatever gold you had on you, not so much. Turns out you had six copper when you were arrested, allegedly. Chai, same for you. You got ten copper to your name. Congratulations, you're doing quite well for yourself. Nice. Zane. You, I think, know what happens at this point. Repeat offenders in tumble fray. Your first one, the joke is, first one's free. Uh, Every penal voyage you are sent on after your first, you step into a room. The guard grabs you by the scruff of your neck, holds a pair of shears up to your ear, and cuts a notch into the side of your ear. A wad of gauze is slapped against your head, and you are pushed out into the processing area with the other prisoners, several of which have just gone through the same treatment as you. I will leave it to you to decide how many notches Zane has on his ears at this point, but this is a mark that the Rending Sentinels leave on people to tell everyone else that you have been on more than one penal voyage. Uh, Because they're not nice people. I don't know if you've picked up on this vibe, but... (laughs) I think Zane has two notches. I think this is his second. This is his second. And he comes out, he's probably holding his ear, and he looks over and probably sees someone who has one, and he's like, hey, first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it hurts, but it's not atrocious. You've certainly yeah. dealt with worse, I would assume. The first time is worse. Uh, you are also given your stuff, so you guys have all of your equipment, your starting gear, return to your person now. Um, and as you are escorted out of the kind of sally port back into the street, uh, you see a uh, middle-aged, slightly older human woman getting in the face, just chewing out a person you would recognize as Captain Warden Swinscombe. 
This is Buck Sweeper's superior officer. He was the captain of the ship on smaller prison vessels in Tumble Frey. Uh, they're actually called Captain Wardens. Uh, on larger prison ships, there is both a captain and a warden at different positions. But here, it's just him. Uh, so higher ranking officer. And this woman is just dogging him. I want to know where they went. I want to know what's going on. And he just kind of shoves past her. He's like, I don't answer to you. And walks away. And this woman is standing there fuming. She looks to see you guys emerging. Uh, anyone want to do anything at this moment? I don't. Yeah, I think Leo would take note, but not take part yet. Do, do, do I rec- would, would I recognize the woman at all, or like uh, get any semblance of of her affiliation just by just by sight? You, I don't know if Leo would actually. Zane, you're the local boy here. Hmm. Why don't you go ahead and make a knowledge check for me? And for you, this is going to be a four. Leo, I'm going to say you can do it as either of you can do it as well. Your check target is going to be more of a ten. Uh, is that person connected to that grave we robbed, potentially? No immediate connection comes to mind. I'm not going to make you check for that. Okay. Leo got a okay. five, so he doesn't do anything. Uh, Zane, uh, I've rolled a five plus a one, um, so I only got a six. Okay, well, we said yours was low. I believe I said a four, correct? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, because you're the local boy, and you specifically would have spent time in some of the rougher neighborhoods. Uh, this woman, you recognize, she is known as the Saint of Pier 9. This woman's name is uh, Daisy Noson. Um, she is the proprietor of, uh, well, what is now the Battered Tulip combination dive bar and flower shop. Uh, was once simply Daisy's tulips <laughs> next door to the battered keg. Those buildings got smashed together at one point, and that's how Daisy met her husband, Scrum. Uh, but you know Daisy. Daisy is a community activist kind of person. She takes a particular interest, probably in Zane as he was younger, in a lot of guys like him, a lot of kids who are in that position. Daisy goes out of her way to make sure people have food, make sure they have a roof. To, to stay under, make sure, you know, they know when something bad's coming down in the town. Uh, Daisy has developed a reputation that is so sterling among people who need it uh, that she is, like, known as a protected entity. I think even uh, your former gang, linger, gang leader, Zane, a uh, lovely fellow by the name of Saxton, by the way, uh went as far as to issue a decree that no one was to mess with Daisy, the Tulip, or Scrum by extension. Scrum gets grandfathered in there. Uh, No one was to mess with them on pain of exile from the gang. Um, So you recognize Daisy, and I think she might actually clock you, come to think of it, as the local boy from that part of town. And do I, does Zane know Daisy? Yeah, for sure. I think Daisy probably at several points in Zane's younger life was a person who like made sure he had something warm to wear and food to eat for a day when she could. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I think this is Zane's like first return to tumble fray in a, in a while after the whole uh, situation um, with Saxon. Um, So I think he's just like, Hey Daisy and calls out to her. She kind of turns and she's still, she's like red in the face and she turns and just, Zane? Yeah. Oh, my God, Zane, how are you? How you been? Yeah, it's, oh, it's uh, a long story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but you got the, you got the God, did they not you? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, second round, you know, I guess. And uh, number two? Yeah. 
not as bad as the first one. Yeah, first one's free. What's going on? What's going on with you here, though? I s- My idiot nephew got sent on this, uh, you know, that ship that crashed down there on the docks a little while ago. The uh, the Keen Doubleback. Oh yeah, it, I was just on it. You were on the double. No, no. Sh- All right. Zane, I gotta ask, my nephew was on that boat two months ago when it left, and they're not telling me anything about where he went, what happened to him coming back, and like, you know, it's my brother's kid, I gotta find him if I can, so like, have you seen uh, Castle at all? I don't know if you know him or not, little short guy, kind of brown, red hair. Does he have arms? Like, or are they like noodly kind of arms? Yeah, not noodles, noodles, noodles is... Noodles a little crusty and old for my for my siblings. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, noodles. Oh, you know noodles. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, we all listen. We like noodles. I saw he's got an arm now. Well, he's, he had two, but he's got like a, a filled one. <laughs> Leo in the background like takes a bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's part of the long story. Bring the uh, Leo. Come over here. Meet Daisy. <laughs> hey, Leo. It's um, a pleasure to meet you. Friend of Zane's a friend of mine. Yeah, I've been working with um, with Leo for the for the last while since I left Tumblefray. Actually, it's uh, been hanging out with with Leo. Oh, that's great! I mean, that that's awesome. I love it when uh, when one of you kids kind of gets out there. Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, Leo to Daisy would be like, "Well, my friend here, uh, your friend here, uh, has been quite quite the assistant." Oh, that's fantastic! What kind of work are you in there, Leo? Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Right, right. Well, hey, I I know a lot of those kind of folks, and so does Zane, if you catch my meaning. Uh, but hey, it's great to see you kind of getting your getting your stuff together, getting out in the world. That's that's just fantastic. Um, listen, would you mind? Who are you looking for again, though? Sorry, I I, I think I missed it. It's my nephew. His name's uh, Castle. He's younger than you. You may not a he may not have been out and about while you were running around. Um, I, I th- Leo would probably gesture to um to george here because george seems to take note of people a lot more than a lot more than himself yeah you see george he's trying to don his armor is like george uh did anyone by the name of castle on our ship so uh no check necessary for this none of you remember meeting talking to or seeing a castle doesn't ring a bell does he go by a different name sometimes? A cast sometimes, but like, you know, just, I mean, it's Cass or Castle or Cat, Cass. Don't call him Cass. He gets upset, but, you know, it's kind of cute, whatever. Uh, I mean, he got picked up for some stupid shoplifting thing a couple of months ago, and they sent him out on the double back. It was supposed to be a salvage voyage. You know, not rough. Buck sweepers, a, buck sweepers an ass, but like, not terrible. I wasn't expecting, I was supposed to pick him up. Like, I don't know where he went. I have to say, while this is not maybe uh, communicated that well, but it is very rough out there, and we've lost a quarter of our of our numbers. Yeah, no, I I understand that. It's uh, and that, I mean, listen, the kid's a screw up, but I do love him. It would be real tragic news to bring back to the family. But they're not even telling me that. Like, usually, Zane, you know, like, when you go on one of these voyages, they come back with a manifest and they record who who went missing. They're telling me, like, I have the manifest from two months ago. He was on that ship. I watched him get on it and I watched it leave port. They're not telling me anything now. 
I just, I'm trying to figure out what happened. Like, I can't go back with nothing. Listen, I don't want to stand here and argue in front of the guardhouse. Would you guys mind coming by the tulip and we can hash this out there? I'm going to see if anyone else knows anything and I'll be over there in a few minutes. Yeah, sounds good. Do we, do we remember like an event maybe at the beginning of the journey that we met up with some other ship or something where someone could have like disappeared? I'm going to give you two options now. Uh, you can, it's either one's a check. You can either make a knowledge check or a willpower check. It's your choice. They will reveal different things and pick one. All right, let me let me let me consult my trusty character sheet. Let's see, um, so willpower is my major primary stat. So I would say I'd go. That would probably be the thing I would go for. Just as a knee jerk thing. Um, so that's uh, D twelve plus four. D12 plus 4, you rolled a 1, so a total of 5. There is no uh, 1 is an automatic fail in Relic. We use a D12 system. Uh, means crits are a little more common. So would be automatic fails, so we don't do that. It's just a bad roll, right? I will point out, you have accumulated a couple of fate points in our lovely little introduction here. So if you wanted to spend those to buff this result, that is an option you have before I reveal kind of what the consequence of this is. Okay, um, how does, like, can you explain what my options are using those will points? Yeah, so if you go to that page in your packet uh, where you recorded your fate points, um, and this is recorded on the website, it's on our GM screen, it's a couple other places, uh, there's basically a menu there. You can see how many you've accrued, and each of those options costs a certain number of fate points. Um, so you could potentially spend up to however many you have. Uh, yeah, so I can choose... Cost for one, I can add one DA to an attack or check I make. And you can also, if you would like, you can spend multiple fate points as a free action as part of the same transaction. So if you wanted to spend multiple on the same effect, you are absolutely welcome to do that. All right. I only rolled one crit, and uh, the D10 didn't didn't add to that, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, let me... Choose the first option. I'll add one d8 to my roll just now. So that's that was a one plus four, five, and then <laughs> add another one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> three ones in a row. The penalty yeah. for stacking rope uh, real was, good. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, uh, I I told you. Yeah. Told you. All, all right. about balance. Well, it, well all adds about up balance. to a full six. All about the balance. Yeah, Carmel- Carmelion is pleased. Um, all right, so you got a six. It's not atrocious in a D12-based scale. Uh, it's not great. Uh, so here's what I'll say. As you kind of delve into your memory, you're trying to think of the voyage, you're like, did I see this kid somewhere? Did he go overboard? Like, what happened? Um, you don't really come up with any answers. But I think uh, George is kind of, in tune enough, like, you're an observant guy, you're kind of keeping tabs on, like, the balance and, like, who's doing well, who's doing poorly. And as you're kind of searching for these answers in your mind, you feel there's some resistance there. As you kind of try and focus on this topic, you come up against a wall. I think George is attuned enough with that willpower check to know, like, that's 
That's something. Okay. Is, would that be something that's repressed, or is that something that has been that like has been like magically blocked or something? On a six, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I will answer to her. I feel like there was something, but I do not recall what exactly happened. It feels in my mind as it was uh, of no consequence, but now that I'm thinking about it, it feels like there should be more. Biff said something like that, too. He came out a few minutes ago. You guys remember? Yeah, I, I tried quizzing a couple other people before I saw the captain walking around. A couple of y'all said some weird stuff, too. I don't... I don't know. I don't quite know what to do with that. Um, Could you... I don't know. If you guys... You have a place to stay tonight? Not currently, no. All right. We we got some rooms down at the Tulip. You know, it's nothing fancy. It's bunk rooms. Uh, but uh, if you wouldn't mind coming on down, maybe we can try and unpack this over some meals, some drinks a little bit, and uh, maybe see what's going going on there. We'll put you up for the night. No, no charge. A meal does sound good. All right. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to head back. Um, if you see any of the other... Uh, guys off the ship knocking around. Would you mind asking them for me? Yeah, uh, Daze, before you go, I just need to ask you a quick question. You got you got a few seconds? Yeah, Zane, what's up? Uh, um, is Saxon, is he, he still hanging around these areas? Yeah, Saxon's still hanging around. I mean, he's he's actually gotten himself in a bit of hot water. There was uh, this kid, uh, this kid Delg was his name, little, little guy, little dwarf kid, was running with Saxon's crew a little while ago. Got mixed up something with the Sentinels, and uh, you know they they enforced on him. He uh, they they put him in the ground. Um, so Saxon's around, but he's been hanging low ever since all that went down. Chase. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, if you want to do us a favor and just like maybe just don't let anyone know um, that I'm back uh, yet, if that's okay. Zane, I got you. But first of all. Saxon, Saxon's a dumb sack of bricks, but he ain't dumb enough to mess with old Daisy. You know that. Yeah, no, I know that. Yeah, I'll, I'll knock him up and down the dock. I don't care. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I won't. I won't say a word. But uh, you're you're good. Yeah, cheers. Appreciate it, Dice. Thanks. So we'll we'll see you later tonight. All right. Yeah, come on by. It's getting getting a little late, but you know we're open. Uh, I'll be there, and if I'm, if I'm not around, Scrum's there. He knows who you are. I'll tell him. Oh, great. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him. I was like, uh, guys, could you could you help me with those straps? Real, like, I just can't reach behind my back. <laughs> Zane's like straight away comes up, starts helping. After fifty uh, fifty minutes, we're done. No, I, I don't know how long it will take to to, to, to do that. Couple armor. minutes. Yeah. Lee would be like doing some mental arithmetic um, and stuff to to figure out how much he needs to to build back up his stock of potions and, and, and bits and pieces uh, again. Leo, as you're standing there, uh, I think Noodles comes by and goes, high five! <laughs> Leo looks up and like and uh, goes for the high five and then as the hands hit, Leo like sort of grabs his hand a little bit and like pulls it down and starts examining the arm. <laughs> Go ahead and make a knowledge check for me. This is going to be uh, kind of a medical thing. 
go. Uh, that will be oh, uh, a one plus two, so three. You're pretty sure most of those bones are where they might probably supposed to be. I don't know. There's definitely <laughs> bones in there, and I think uh, I think Noodles is just real happy to have some. Um, Leo is like, uh, Noodles, uh, if, I, I guess we could change your name to Noodle now, but, uh, <laughs> you're right. If, if you ever get the inclination, uh, do, do seek me out. We could maybe see what we could do with the other arm. Oh, that, well, that would be something interesting. The, uh, the rash is not, well, I guess, actually the rash is cleared up pretty well. I don't have any, I mean, a little private there, Leo, but uh, my chest hair all fell out. Is that normal? Uh, it, it can happen sometimes, yes. Uh, it should grow back in in uh, weeks, maybe. I got a girl <laughs> over in the Tangles who was real real sweet on that, but, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it just, it's, listen, all right, I don't, I'm just doctor-patient privilege, right? We got a little, we got a relationship going. It's not so much that it fell out, it did move. The agents that grow the bones also grow the hair, and, well, sometimes the skin doesn't want to hold on to the hair, and it grows out of the hair. I've always thought that hair was just kind of like small bones, right? Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah, so, listen, I'm, uh, I think I just saw Miss Daisy walking by. I gotta go catch up with her. I'll be down at the Tulip in a little bit, if you, uh... I, I'm sure we'll see you there. All right. Yeah, that's great. All right, I'll see you later. High five. <laughs> he high fives him again. But like, you definitely. hear something crack, and he goes, "Oh no!" <laughs> as he's as he's leaving, Zane calls out, "Yeah, the, the chest hair moving—it's normal. It happens all the time when they get spilled on you." Don't I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Second point of confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you implicitly. <laughs> it's Noodle's catchphrase. <laughs> So Daisy invited you to come down to the Tulip uh, to spend the night, effectively. Have dinner and stay overnight, have a rest. Uh, you've got maybe an hour or two before the sun fully sets. Um, I think Leo makes a point of, um, can we just stop by one? I, I do need to get one thing on the way there uh, to uh, restock. Yeah. Uh, George speaks up and says, I've tried to remember... The little guy Castle could have could have gone, and I feel like I should remember, but I don't. Do you remember anything? Um, I think Leo, with the mention of like feeling like should remember, I feel like it'd be. I mean, something that alters the mind. That's poor. That's that's a power. That's a power Leo wants. So, with George prompting this, I am gonna let. Uh, the other two, but I'm going to be specific about it. You guys can take a crack at a willpower check yourselves. Uh, you're not going to have access to the same kind of information that George might have maybe done. Uh, but I think with him kind of prodding that, like, there's something here, uh, I think that opens you guys up to kind of delving in that same direction. Great. So willpower, I don't have anything on willpower. So is that just a flat roll? It's a flat roll. Cool. Uh, Leah rolls a one plus two is three. <laughs> Whoa! Hey. And I roll a twelve. Are, are we okay. ever gonna roll okay. anything in between? Like just <laughs> ones and twelves no, only. The, uh, the gods of balance have spoken. They were invoked. Uh, okay. I'll take my fate point. 
Leo and George, you guys are kind of conversing. All right. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It feels deja vu. I don't know. Uh, Zane, as they're having this conversation, you are kind of just doing your straight man thing kind of off to the side, like letting the doc have it out with this weird guy you've kind of met and got to know over the last couple of months. And as they're kind of touching all all of these different topics, I think you sort of describe it as fall backward into your mind a little bit. Like there's a, there's a sense of tunnel vision and also like a zooming of like an out of body experience. It kind of overtakes you almost like a, a strong feeling of vertigo. The gate district fades, fall backwards, and you have flashes of the voyage, of your trip, of your journey thus far. There's moments you remember very clearly. The double-back keen was on a salvage run, Uh, so that's a lot of going up and down the coast. There's all these known shipwrecks, ships that have been lost in a storm or beached on a sandbank or some misfortune befell them, and your job is to go in and dredge these up, pull up anything valuable. And there's moments of this you remember very clearly. You were on this ship for two months. You know, there's first days you were out there, the first ship, the second wreck, the third wreck. And then there's this period of time. You were 100 miles up the coast working on a shipwreck. And then you were 10 miles from the city headed home. No, that can't be right. You were hundreds of miles away. We were a couple of days voyage away. And then after that, you could see the city on the horizon. Now that doesn't that doesn't track. You were you were okay, we were down, we were off the point, we're off the coast, we're in shallow water, there was a storm, it was the morning, and then it was evening, we were approaching Tumblefray. There's a gap of time missing. There are what must have been days where without delving deep and really prodding at it, like you didn't even notice we're gone but you can't account for. You've been listening to Sounds Like Relict, a collaboration between Sounds Like Adventure and Hounsong Games to celebrate the launch of the Kickstarter for Relict. Relict is a free tabletop role-playing game system designed to power awesome characters on incredible adventures, and the Kickstarter is happening right now. So if you liked what you heard today and you'd like to play Relict yourself, head over to the Kickstarter and back the campaign. There's some amazing books on offer and even a stretch goal to turn the campaign that we're playing right now into a module. So if you'd like to bring 10 Silvers Bent to your table, then back the campaign now. The link is in the show notes. So with all that in mind, we'll catch you next week for the next episode of Sounds Like Relict.